0: Think on your feet for our fast and curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race, hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. This WBEZ podcast is supported by Ravinia, with over 100 concerts under the stars this summer, including Daryl Hall and Elvis Costello, Nora Jones with special guest Mavis Staples, the Beach Boys with special guest John Stamos, Shaggy and TLC, Jason Isbell and the 400 Unit, the Chicago Symphony Orchestra, and more. Their 30-acre park is nestled in a gently wooded area. Bring your own picnic or eat at one of the park restaurants. Tickets available now only at ravinia.org. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. The Senate Judiciary Committee is kicking off confirmation hearings for Supreme Court nominee Ketanji Brown-Jackson. If confirmed Judge Jackson would become the first Black woman to serve on the nation's highest court. Her historic nomination is being praised by Democrats and condemned by the GOP. That it must be a Black woman.
1: I gotta say that's offensive. Black women are what, 6% of the US population? He's saying to 94% of Americans, I don't give a damn about you.
0: For almost uh, the entire history of the Supreme Court, the nominees and the justices have primarily been white. Man, It's long overdue for a Black woman to be nominated to the court. Understand what the political moment is, as well as the historic moment. Joining us now to break down the confirmation process is law professor Stephen Schwinn from University of Illinois at Chicago. Professor Schwinn, welcome back.
1: Hi, Sasha. Thanks for uh, having me.
0: Give us some background, will you, on, on Judge Ketanji Brown-Jackson and her judicial philosophy?
1: Sure. So she's got an amazing background, Sasha. She is a graduate of Harvard College and Harvard Law School. She clerked at all three levels of our judiciary, from trial courts to intermediate appellate courts. To the Supreme Court, she's been affiliated with four major law firms. She was a staffer and a member of the U.S. Sentencing Commission. She was a federal public defender, and she served on the bench at all three levels of our judiciary. It really is an extraordinary background. As to her judicial philosophy, the way she's described it in prior confirmation hearings is, she has said, "You know, I look to the text and the original understanding of the Constitution first, mm-hmm. and that the uh, the Constitution doesn't change, although." Judges have to apply the Constitution to changing times and changing circumstances.
0: And as we know, she would replace retiring Justice Stephen Breyer, and she worked as a clerk for Breyer. So, Professor, do you think that could give her a leg up in the process?
1: I think it'll give her some insight that other candidates may not have. Now, it's not uncommon for candidates to come to a Supreme Court nomination with Supreme Court clerk experience, but this definitely will give her some insight into the workings of the court and some special expertise about how the court operates. So she's not
0: only the first black woman to be nominated to Supreme Court, but she's also the first federal public defender to be nominated. How's that going to set her apart from other justices?
1: So this is really extraordinary. She has some insight into the criminal justice system that is simply absent on the court today. And her ability to bring that perspective to the court, I think, is going to be very, very important in the way the court deals with criminal procedure and criminal law issues and the way it deals with legal issues in general. She has a very sort of practical approach about how the law applies to real people on the ground, and that's a perspective that's sorely needed on the Supreme Court.
0: We're also seeing backlash from lawmakers who think that uh, the nomination and and the confirmation that it's all been rushed. What do you think?
1: That's right. Yes. Well, this is a little ironic, given that the process of rushed nominations that we've seen most recently in in recent times. And so uh, by historical measures... Uh, The nomination is fast, but it's certainly not the fastest that we've seen. It's slower, for example, than the nomination of Amy Coney Barrett when President Trump nominated nominated Judge Barrett to the Supreme Court. It's a little bit faster than we saw with uh, Judge Kavanaugh and his nomination to the Supreme Court. But if we remember, that uh, also involved a lot more issues than we saw with uh, Justice Barrett's nomination and Mm -hmm. that we're likely to see with Judge Jackson's nomination.
0: And the fact that we're not seeing as many issues,
1: are you surprised? Oh, I'm not surprised at all. She's squeaky clean and she's got an outstanding judicial record. I think Republicans, where they have found complaints and and looked for uh, criticisms, they've really been stretching and throwing the, the spaghetti on the wall here to try to find anything that they can complain about. Give us an example of some of the complaints. Well, so, for example, we've been hearing a lot in recent days from Senator Josh Hawley about how she's weak on crime and, in particular, weak on sex crimes and, even more particular, weak on uh, individuals who possess child pornography. And this is just not borne out by the facts. She's perfectly consistent and right in line with other judges on the federal bench and other co-members of her, of the U.S. Sentencing Commission, that just make these allegations just just false and and misleading.
0: Professor, can you take a moment and just outline for us what the hearings are going to look like over this week?
1: Sure. Yeah. So we start today. And what's happening today is each member of the Judiciary Committee, there are 22 members. It's evenly divided, Republicans and Democrats. They'll, e- they'll each take 10 minutes to make an opening statement. Now, these opening statements are really sort of political statements on the part of the senators. They're basically outlining their strategies for either supporting or attacking Judge Jackson and giving us a sense of where the next few days are going to go. Judge Jackson herself will get a chance to make an opening statement later today. Then tomorrow and uh, and Wednesday, we're going to hear a series of questions from each of the members of the Judiciary Committee. They'll have 30 minutes each tomorrow and then 20 minutes each on Wednesday to ask questions of Judge Jackson. And that's where we'll really get into the weeds and details. And then finally, on Thursday, outside organizations and supporters of Judge Jackson will have an opportunity to testify on her behalf. She herself will not be present or testifying on Thursday. And then after that, we expect the Judiciary Committee to move quickly to a vote and then move this quickly to a full Senate vote.
0: You mentioned uh, Judge Jackson will get the opportunity later today to to make an opening statement. How important is that? And I mean, if you were advising her on, on what to say, what would you tell her?
1: Oh, great question. Yeah, so it is really important. Now, she's already met with all the members of the Judiciary Committee, and she's met with 44 members of the Senate. So she's already done a lot of handshaking and and sort of uh, talking to senators and getting to know them and and helping them understand where she's coming from. But what I would advise her to do is just, you know, more of that. Tell the panel what, what your judicial philosophy is, where you're coming from, the way you're going to look at cases. Tell your personal story, which is just so compelling. And talk about your background and qualifications, which, again, are just really, truly outstanding.
0: Do you think she'll be treated fairly during this process?
1: Well, I suppose that depends on how you define fairly. I expect that the Democrats will say that she is not being treated fairly at all where the Republicans will say that she is being treated fairly. Remember, the Republicans are still reeling from the treatment of Brett Kavanaugh. Democrats are still reeling from the fact that Republicans didn't give a hearing to Merrick Garland in the last year of the Obama presidency. So both parties have an axe to grind. And we're going to see a lot of that in these hearings over the next couple of days.
0: Since Judge Jackson appeared in front of the uh, Judiciary Committee not even a
1: year ago, can we expect a shorter confirmation hearing? I'm not sure that we can expect a shorter confirmation hearing. And, you know, we hear a lot about the fact that she was confirmed by this very Senate just under a year ago for her spot on the D.C. Circuit. And therefore, why shouldn't she be confirmed by the same count for the Supreme Court? Well, there's a reason that she might not be, and that is the Supreme Court is different entirely. Now, on the one hand, she won't change the ideological balance on the Supreme Court. It's uh, everybody thinks it's a progressive switch for a progressive seat on the Supreme Court. But on the other hand, Republicans in particular are going to be looking to not only score political points, but make statements about Judge Jackson that go to her judicial philosophy. And so while there were three Republicans that joined the Democrats to confirm her to the D.C. Circuit, Mm -hmm. I'm not at all sure that those three are going to join the Democrats to confirm her to the Supreme Court.
0: Professor, you know, when thinking about this confirmation hearing, right? And the past ones, as we've been discussing. Are there questions or topics that you think Judge Jackson is going to be asked to discuss that perhaps other nominees haven't?
1: Yeah, Sasha, again, a terrific question. I'm not sure that she'll be asked questions exactly different than other nominees, but I, I think she will be pressed on some of her unique and a special history. I think especially with the Federal Public Defender's Office working on behalf of some Guantanamo detainees and her time on the Sentencing Commission. It's pretty clear, even already today from opening statements, that Republicans are going to attack her as weak on crime with a particular particular focus on sex crime and child pornography. Again, this is not at all borne out by facts, but that's going to be a continuing theme that we hear over the next couple of days that we haven't heard in exactly that way of other nominees, but that's attributable to her unique history.
0: Yeah. Well, past nomination hearings, they've gotten quite contentious and they've had some memorable moments. So I want to play a little bit that we can hear from the hearings of current Justices Brett Kavanaugh and Amy Coney Barrett.
1: Yes, we drank beer, I liked beer, still like beer. Yeah, we drank beer. Sometimes probably had too many beers and sometimes other people had too many beers. We drank beer, we liked beer. What are the five freedoms of the First Amendment?
0: Speech, religion, press, assembly. I don't know, what am I missing?
1: Redress or protest.
0: Okay. Can we expect to see anything like this again this week, Professor?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. I so hope not, Sasha. So I don't expect to hear anything about beer this week, for one. At least I hope we don't hear anything about beer this week. And, you know, (laughs) questions about basic knowledge of what's in the Constitution. I mean, I, I think those are just insulting whoever they're coming from. And I certainly hope that we can dodge questions like that as well. I do think we'll hear serious questions about her judicial philosophy. And we've already heard from both sides of the aisle that they're ready and willing to talk about that. I think it's going to be interesting to hear how she answers those questions. But, you know, she's already been before the Senate three other times. And so her record is pretty, pretty established on this. We're really not going to discover a lot of new information.
0: Any concern that Judge Jackson won't be confirmed?
1: I think at the end of the day, there's really no serious concern that she won't be confirmed. The Democrats, uh, the Senate, of course, is evenly split. But with uh, the vice president's vote, the Democrats can can get her through on a, on a pure party line basis if they want to. The Democrats, are, by all indications, are going to hang together on this. I think the real question is whether any Republicans will join them.
0: Mm. She could be entering the court at a crucial time, Professor, with abortion Affirmative action and voting rights on the agenda for this year. How might she approach these cases?
1: So many important things on the court's docket this this term. She now she won't join the cases this term, but she will join the cases next term. Uh, and you had mentioned one big case up next term, the affirmative action case. There's a there's an important voting rights case up next term too that you had mentioned. My guess, my uh, prediction is that she will probably align with the progressive wing of the court. But you know, the court is today divided six three conservative progressive, and and again, she'll be replacing Justice Breyer, mm-hmm. who himself aligns with the progressive wing, and so she won't change the ideological balance. What I do think she will do, though, is bring a different perspective based on her life experiences to the court—a perspective that simply isn't on the court today, but a very very important perspective, indeed a critical perspective on these issues. And given all indication of her work on the Sentencing Commission and the other courts that she has sat on, I think she will be able to move the justices and um, and get them to think differently about these problems.
0: The affirmative action case that the court will see this year, it involves Harvard University's admission process, which is Judge Jackson's alma mater. So do you think that the Judiciary Committee will grill her on this potential conflict of interest?
1: I do think that they will grill her, but I also, you know, I, there, there are other Harvard graduates on the court, others with ties to Harvard on the court. And so to argue that she needs to recuse or that there's some sort of conflict of interest is just, uh, it, its uh, to, quite frankly, it's kind of a silly argument.
0: So overall, Professor, tell us what you're watching for as uh, the judge's confirmation hearings continue.
1: So, uh, Sasha, I'm actually watching as much for the politics as I am for the constitutional law and Judge Jackson telegraphing anything about the way she's likely to rule or her judicial philosophy. And I say that because, as I said earlier, I I really don't think there's a lot to learn from Judge Jackson. So much of her record is out there. She's eminently well-qualified for this job. I think it's hard to disagree with that. And so what we expect to see is that the senators will do a lot of politicking There are three, maybe four Republicans on the panel that might be eyeing a presidential run in the future. And so they're trying to lay a track record and press Judge Jackson and score political points in whatever way that they can. Now as for Judge Jackson, I think she has an opportunity to be above that, right? And to dodge those kinds of questions by focusing on her judicial philosophy and her imminent qualifications and um, and presenting herself as above the politics.
0: Before I let you go, Professor, remind us of the next steps in the process. So after these hearings, what happens?
1: So after the hearings, the uh, Senate Judiciary Committee will vote, and then the vote will go on to the full Senate, where she will either be confirmed or rejected. Again, it's an equally divided Senate, but with the vice president throwing her weight with the Democrats, I expect that she will get confirmed by 51 votes, uh, possibly more if Republicans join.
0: That is UIC law professor Stephen Schwinn. Professor Schwinn, thanks for checking in with us. That's it for today's podcast. Thanks so much for spending time with us. For more local conversations about the world around you, tune in every weekday afternoon to this podcast and follow us on Twitter at WBEZ Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Have a great day and we'll meet again tomorrow.
1: Thanks for listening to the news live on WBEZ and NPR.